Hey everybody, welcome to What's Up with Pastor Chuck, uh, where we gather together once a week to talk about things that uh, I think are really important for you to know. So that's our idea of what's up. And if you love this podcast, I'd love it if you subscribe on it and uh, and even comment in the section and, and share it with other people. We're in a section right now of our podcast where we're talking about relationships. And so what I want you to know is that God loves love. And God has created us to have relationships with other people. In Genesis 2.18, it says there's one thing that God said in all the creation in the beginning he made that was not good. And that is that man would be alone. And so God never made you to be alone. He made you to live in relationships. Now there's different kinds of relationships we're made to live in. Uh, Number one, our relationship with God. Number two, our relationship with other people and family in friends and friendship does matter. Uh, It's so important to what God wants you to have. Then there is marriage and then there's the whole idea of your romantic life that could lead to getting married. And so let me talk a little bit to the married people real quickly. If you're married, this podcast is still for you, this this section we're in, because we're talking about uh, how do you find the right person? And you're going, wait a minute, I'm married. I already have the right person. (laughs) Some of you are going, I wonder if I have it. I'm kidding. (laughs) Okay, that's not funny. But anyway, uh, here's what I want to say is is if you're married, I hope you don't tune out. I hope you ask, am I living this out in my marriage with the person I'm married to? Am I growing in each of these areas? So just kind of think that that mindset. But now I want to talk to everybody who's single. I love you guys. God loves you guys. The Bible says, are you ready? When you're single, you actually can do more for God than if you're married. Uh, so you actually have more effectiveness in the kingdom of God that way. But I also know that God has a plan for your life and God wants to guide you to that right person, at least for the vast majority of you. Uh, and I won't get into, yeah, later on, I'll get into the, the caveat about that. But for the vast majority of you, uh, and how do you find that person? Well, there's lots of different ways, but there's a need for having what I would call a compass to direct you to your true north. So it starts by being the right person, and then you can find the right person. And so we have lots of ways to have that happen. But I do want to give all those who are single a heads up on something that's coming on May the 8th. May the 8th is going to be our singles night out. Is that what we're calling it? All right, Singles Night Out. It's the day before Mother's Day and the day after Lauren's birthday. So I just thought all of you should know that. So if you want to put in the chat, hey, happy birthday, Lauren, a month ahead of time, you can. Uh, uh, But no matter what, it's a big deal. That's your birthday. And then, but May 8th, I think, is going to be really, really good. Megan Tibbetts is going to be with us, who's incredible. Uh, We have different speakers I'm going to be sharing on that night. Um, but, But I want you to know that we are so excited to do this. And and so what I want you to do is don't hide out. Don't stay away because it's a place of having great friendship, a great place of having great interaction. And, you know, if God does something else, God does something else. But what matters more is you and you having relationships with other people. So I cannot wait for it. Great food, by the way. I think we have not, I think okay, we got great, great food. And uh, so it's going to be a great time together. Great part of our church family coming together. Invite friends May the 8th, Singles Night Out. Uh, where do they sign up for that, Tracy? Crossroadschurch.family. Go to crossroadschurch.family to sign up and uh, we'll do that. All right. So what I want to talk to you about, I'm going to speed up because I'm not going to go super in depth, that the Bible has 
15 what I want to call non-negotiables that need to be in you and need to be in the other person for God to show you that you're the, with the right person. In other words, uh, are you the right person for someone else? Well, these 15 things ought to be at least a big part of who you are. Now, you may not be perfect in them, but they ought to be overall true for you. And if that's true for you, now you're more ready for God to guide you to the right person. And so what are these 15 things that you want to be true in you and you want to have be true in them? So we started last week going through the list and let me go ahead and review with you. Number one, they must be a Christian. That's the most important of all. God will not bring a Christian to a non-Christian or a non-Christian to a Christian. God wants you to marry somebody who shares the same love for Jesus that you would have. And so that would be very, very, very vital to be true. So Christian to Christian. Now what happens if you're single and you meet someone who's not a Christian, but you think for instance, wow, they're really good looking. They're really nice. They're really, they could be all those other things and it's okay to be friends, but do not be romantically linked. So we looked at that last week. If you want to know more about it, go back and I give you a more in-depth part of that. So number one, they need to be a Christian. Number two, they need to be somebody who you respect and who respects you. By the way, it's both who you respect and who respects you. So that's number two. Number three, attractive. You need to be attracted to them and they need to be attracted to you. And uh, by the way, there's a lot more to that, and we'll probably dig into that on the Singles Night Out <laughs> or other places. But, but you need to have an attraction, and by the way, don't discount that. Uh, and God will bring someone who is attracted to you to you. Uh, number four is how far along we got last week, motivated. They need to have high motivation. In other words, not be lazy. Uh, and they ought to have at least a similar level of motivation you have. Now, that sometimes can be hard to find, but you need to wait and find that person who has the same level of motivation or high, a little bit higher than you do that spurs you on. And now we get to number five. Number five may be the second most important thing on the list. Um, I don't know why I didn't move it up to number two when I was doing this study, but for some reason I didn't. But I would say, but besides being a Christian, this is on priority, the next most important thing. And what is that? That is someone who is not given to anger. They're not a person with a bad temper. They don't have high level of wrath within them. They don't get angry easily. And the Bible is so clear about this, you guys. So clear. Let me listen to, have you listen to what it says in Proverbs 22, 24 and 25. It says, do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man or you will learn his ways and find a snare for your soul. Do not, do not associate. Now, if you're not going to associate with them, then clearly you're not going to date them and you're not going to get engaged to them and you're not going to marry them. You're to have no association. I, I want to say this. Probably a lot of people are surprised that while the Bible teaches us to love everybody, the Bible is very clear. There are certain people you do not hang out with and you don't even have a friendship with. In other words, I could love and care about you, but I'm not going to have a friendship with you if these things would be true of you. And one of them is if you're a person who gets angry easily, if you're a person who is given to anger. And so the Bible says that, that number one, you're not even to be friends with a person who's that way. 
way. So if you see somebody who's a friend of yours and they're mad all the time, get angry really easily, you see their anger level rising, the temperature goes up, then you ought to say, you know, Lord, I know better. I cannot be around them. I'm not going to be around them very much. As a matter of fact, I will avoid any kind of contact I possibly can. And if you start to date somebody who manifests anger, the Bible is clear to get away from the relationship to end it. Um, The number of especially women who've been hit by men in what's called a dating relationship setting is so high, it's scary. Uh, I want to tell you, at one point, they did a survey of uh, students at the University of Arizona, and they found the majority of girls who said they were dating a guy, the guy had hit them. If a guy hits you, by the way, all of you who are women, if a guy hits you, that's it. One time is not, not okay. You should end the dating relationship. Can you forgive them? Yes, from afar, from a distance. By the way, Lauren, you walk away. Tracy, you run away. Um, and, and you know what? I want to say this, by the way. I think you guys will agree with this. That's the best thing you can do for the other person. If you really want the best for them, the minute they cross that line, you put an end to it and let them know that that consequence is very real. That has a higher likelihood of opening their eyes that it's not okay to be that way than it would be for you to hope that somehow by forgiving them and staying with them, they'll change. Now, by the way, the the typical scenario works like this. Uh, A girl and a guy are out together, and what happens is the guy gets upset, he gets mad, and bam, he hits her. And then here's what he almost always says next. You guys already know what it is? He almost always says, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. And that's almost always what he says. But when you don't break up, when you say it, when you allow it to happen and not have a consequence to it, then there's a higher likelihood they'll do it again, then they'll do it again, then they'll do it again. And um, not only do you pay the price, but uh, your children will if you get married and have kids. The day they act out and lash out on your kids. By the way, it doesn't even have to be physical. Verbal abuse is as detrimental as people say that it is. It is as hurtful. It is as degrading. And so whether it's physical or it's verbal or it's both, none of it's acceptable. And the Bible says do not associate with anybody who does that. Don't associate with anybody who does that. By the way, I was reading a survey one time that said 5.3 million women, 18 years and older, are physically abused every single year. And let me say this is for men too. 3.2 million men report being physically abused by a female partner, either in a friendship, a dating relationship, or in marriage. 3.2 million men. Um, Battered women average 6.9 physical assaults in a year. Uh, battered men average 4.4 assaults in a year. 29% of, um, or one in three women have experienced being physically assaulted. One in three. And one in five men have been physically assaulted. So this is a big deal. It's a really big deal. And God says, do not stay even close to that relationship. So number five is don't be with anybody who's given to anger. Don't even let that happen. And, uh, and, and you'll be sorry if you do. Uh, years ago, I, one of my really, really good friends, a guy, 
uh, had a girl just unleash on him physically. I mean, she hit him and hit him and hit him and hit him. And then when he tried to tell her, you know, we're done, she just kept begging him to stay in the relationship. And all of us who were his friends, his true friends, told him, get away. Just get away as fast as you can. So is it just women being hit by men? No, men get hit by women. None of it's okay. None of it's okay. By the way, I remember sitting with him and saying, hey, even if you think you can take it, if you guys get married and have kids, she'll do it to them. That's not, it's not okay. So by the way, I'm I'm probably going a lot further. I plan to go on this, but number five, not given to anger. Number six, let's go to a more positive thing. Marry somebody who's strong. Marry somebody who has an inner character and inner strength. First Corinthians 16, 13, listen to what it says. It says, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Now, by the way, what's so interesting about that verse, that's not written just to men. Uh, so Tracy, it's saying, act like a man. <laughs> Lauren, it's saying, man up. <laughs> By the way, we use that term, man up, to be a person of character, a person of strength, a person of resilience. And so maybe I ought to even put in here, instead of just be strong, be a person of resilience and only be with somebody who's a person of resilience. And so in Song of Solomon, it actually talks about one of the reasons she is so attracted to Solomon is he was a man of great strength. And it uses symbolism to talk about his inner strength, even though he had outer strength. By the way, listen to this, you guys. Song of Solomon 5, 10 to 16. This is kind of like the dream guy that's out there. And she says, my, del- my beloved is dazzling and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His head is like, pure, is like gold, pure gold. His locks, his hair, by the way, was curly hair, are clusters of dates, black as a raven. So he had black, black hair. His eyes are like doves, which means she could stare into his eyes and, and love staring into his eyes beside streams of water, bathed in milk and reposed in their settings. His cheek is like a bed of balsam, banks of sweet scented herbs. His lips are like are lilies dripping with myrrh. In other words, he can kiss really, really good. That's actually what that means. And then it says his hands, this is talking about his strength, are rods of gold set with burl. In other words, his hands were strong. And she meant by that he could hold her up. He could, someone who could keep, keep her hold of her and keep her safe. Then I love this part of the passage. Ready? His abdomen is carved ivory inlaid with sapphires. <laughs> he had a six pack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I always had a keg. But anyway, okay, number 15, or verse 15. His legs are pillars of alabaster set on pedestals of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon. Oh, Lebanon, that's kind of interesting, Tracy. Tracy's Lebanese. Uh, choice is cedars. His mouth is full of sweetness. In other words, he would never rage or cuss or scream or demean. And he is wholly desirable. This is my beloved. This is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Uh, What is so interesting about that is that part about uh, his legs are, are pillars. You know what she's saying there? It's symbolic of I can lean on you. When times are tough, when things are hard, you're such a person of character, such a person of strength, I could lean on you because you'll always stand strong. And that's what it's pointing to, this idea of standing strong. Uh, By the way, uh, there's an area of psychology I was always very intrigued in, and it's called this the Wendy Dilemma. Uh, It's the Wendy Dilemma. And and a lot of women, and I'm not trying, by the way, I hope I'm not attacking women right now. I just want to talk to the women for a second. A lot of women suffer from the Wendy Dilemma. And that's this. 
there's something inside a lot of women where you love to mother the guy you're dating. Uh, you love to take care of them. Now, that's not wrong to a point, but the problem with the Wendy dilemma is that you end up being his mom, not his boy or girlfriend, or not his wife. Uh, and it's very attractive to girls sometimes that, you know, you help them, you take care of them, uh, you watch out for them, that you're always lifting them up when they get down. You're always the one having to be more sensitive to their feelings than they are to yours. And so it's all about you taking care of them, you taking care of them. Uh, I know one particular girl who was a straight A student in college, uh, moving on towards not getting one but two bachelor degrees, and the guy she was dating could never make it to class on time. And so she became his mom by calling him in the morning and making sure he got there checking up whether he did his homework or not, uh, making sure he got lunch. When I heard that, I'm like, wait, what? Uh, and she ended up being his mom, and she loved it. And she actually looked at me and said, well, if I don't take care of him, who will? And I said, God, God can do that. And he ought to have a relationship with God on his own. You don't need to be his mom. You don't want to be his mom and marry your son. By the way, that even sounds sick. You don't want to marry your child. And uh, uh, the Wendy dilemma is the idea that you're Wendy and the character of Peter Pan and Wendy. And the Peter Pan syndrome is he's always a little boy that needs a girl to be his mom. And Wendy is looking for a little boy to take care of. That is one of the greatest signs of dysfunction you could imagine, and it happens all the time. Uh, by the way, I don't know how much more in-depth I need to go on this, but let me just go ahead and tell you what the likely outcome of this scenario is. They end up falling in love. She loves taking care of him. She loves watching out for him. She thinks it's never been a better relationship. Then they get married, and the marriage actually is usually good in the beginning because she takes the majority of the responsibility in the marriage. She probably handles the finances, by the way. Then they have a child. And now this husband who has the Peter Pan syndrome and actually is a little boy, the baby becomes someone who's his adversary, a competitor. And the girl who suffers from the Wendy Dilemma or the woman who does, now that she's had a baby, she wants to turn that care to the baby and away from her husband. And he feels left out and he doesn't like it and will probably act out in very passive-aggressive, tantrum-like ways. And the marriage turns into a mess. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. It was probably described as a good marriage before that because they were meeting this dysfunctional need. But it was one that couldn't go on. And God is saying something to you and me. Marry somebody of resilience and character. By the way, I want to say this. My wife is a person of resilience and character. And so I want her to flourish. I want her to be strong. Uh, for a man, you want to look for a woman who has strength and you want to encourage her and you want to tell her to go and pursue her dreams and rise up at the highest level she can. That, by the way, for you guys, that's a sign that you're strong and have character when you are not afraid of the person you're dating or the person you're marrying uh, achieving their high, high, high potential. And by the way, the same way. Uh, if you're a woman, you want to marry a guy who's strong and you want to encourage him to be that way too. So not given to anger is number, number six or number five. Number five is not given to anger. Number six is be strong. Number seven, we're going to get to today. Not jealous, not jealous. Um, this to me is a big, big deal. 
Because there's so many times that I've found over the years, especially when I've worked with the next generation or I've done ministry to people who are single or with people who are single, where they actually see jealousy as a sign of love. They'll go, oh, they get so jealous and it makes them feel good. And they see that as a badge of honor. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, this, love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. So in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it says if it's real love, there will not be any jealousy. Uh, let me just define jealousy in a way that may be a little bit different than you can think. Jealousy means I do not trust you at all. That doesn't sound like a compliment, does it? You know, when you're a girl going out with your friends and the guy freaks out because he's jealous, it means he does not trust you at all. Uh, when you're a woman and you can't handle that he's out with his friends, and, and by the way, it means you don't trust him at all. Let me be honest. We're going to get to this later. If you don't trust them, then don't be in the relationship. If they're not trustworthy, uh, we're going to get to this later. Shouldn't be in the relationship. But jealousy isn't a sign of love. It's a sign you don't trust the person. And, and so the Bible says that it actually is not from God. In James chapter 3, verses 13 to 15, it says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But, listen, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. So jealousy is not a sign of a Holy Spirit-filled relationship. It's a sign of one that is demonic, at least in, in, in part, and in, in maybe big part. And so the Bible is very, very clear that you don't want to be that way. You don't want to be that person because the outcome of it is not good. And um, over the years, I've seen uh, uh, what I would call the extreme occur. And I know it's not the normal. I know jealousy very often doesn't go to this literal extreme. But I, I've seen uh, a jealous mate isolate the other person to where they had no friends and they had no life apart from them. Uh, where, you know, they could not be themselves. And if they did, they would pay a huge price. Uh, I remember a particular guy I know that if he ever made the comment that another woman was attractive, he paid a brutal price for ever saying that. Now, why? It's because she was so insecure and she was so jealous that if he ever mentioned that someone else was pretty or someone else was attractive, then she would turn on him. She would be unrelenting in her attack on him. She would be accusing him of thinking things and wanting to do things. And their relationship was miserable. Matter of fact, that meant he couldn't even be honest. He couldn't even be honest about it. You know, the truth of the matter is, is my wife, Pam, she's seen other guys and thinks they're attractive. And, uh, uh, I'm fine with that. It just shows to me she has eyesight. <laughs> and she, she could tell me uh, that. One time we were in a baseball game. Oh, by the way, Pam's watching this. She's going to want to kill me for telling this. But my wife, Pam, just thinks guys with bow legs are attractive. I don't know why, but that's true. And this baseball player was a really big, built, incredible baseball player. And she, like, mentioned that he had bow legs and how attractive that was. And I, a very few other women were probably, I don't know, maybe all you would. I have no clue. But anyway, I didn't sit there going, I don't have those. 
And by the way, I never will. You know, it was okay. You know, I thought it was actually kind of cute. She could think that. And, and the bottom line is we should be able to let people be who they are. If they're not trustworthy, you shouldn't be in the relationship. But jealousy is not a sign of health. Jealousy is not a sign of trust. Jealousy is not a sign of someone who has security or strength, which goes up to the last characteristic we were talking about. And so the reality is we should be able uh, to trust them and we should not be jealous and we should not be filled with jealousy in our relationship. And God says in reality that actually could be something that would be demonic and not good, which goes to number eight. And I'll go ahead and hit on that and we'll close. They should be somebody who's trustworthy. So the Bible talks about they should be someone you can trust, someone you can believe in, someone you can uh, trust them when they're with you and trust them when they're not with you. So the Bible talks about the idea that you want to be with somebody that you can trust and that you do believe is someone who would be somebody that you could believe their word. You could believe that they would not betray you. They wouldn't cheat on you. Uh, and that, you know, they don't have anything hidden in their life uh, that you wouldn't know about. And so trustworthy is the last of the characteristics we'll get to today. So these are a part of the 15 non-negotiable. Next week when we come back, we're going to start with number eight, and we'll go all the way as far as we can and see if we get to 15. But I want to tell you this. The God who wrote the Bible has given you these pieces of wisdom to make your life better, to make your life stronger, to give your relationships more vitality, more joy, more love, and more peace. And God wants that for you. By the way, if you're single, I, uh, I just want you to know, you pray and say, God, I have a heart's desire to meet somebody, a heart's desire that I would be the right person before I meet them. And when I meet them, I know they're the right person for me. And you just pray about that and seek God for that. And I have watched over the years God bring people together in amazing ways. And I pray that prayer for lots of people all the time who are special in our life, that they would find that person. Uh, by the way, Pam, if you're a little uh, uh, embarrassed about what I shared, uh, you're the right person for me. <laughs> and she is, by the way, uh, without a doubt. Hey, we will get together again next week. But by the way, all of you who are single, don't forget about Singles Night Out May 8th. That's coming soon. God bless you guys and take care.